0: Evening, so glad to have you back tonight. We've got a good crowd here tonight. Thank you for being here. It has been a blessing to be here today. I'm so thankful for all those who have joined us through the live stream, and thankful that you have come back tonight. As we come back to do what? To worship and also to go to work. I don't know if he meant as a compliment. Uh, This morning, one man left He said, you really scattered, smothered, and covered that one. That was his comment on my sermon. I'm not sure if I did or not, but I'm thankful for the gesture. He was listening. Tonight, we're here to work, and we have come together for that purpose. After services, we want to show that encouragement, and we are very thankful again to have the Lamasters with us, working with us, and serving with us. And there will be a a meet and greet, if you will, a reception afterwards in uh, the upper fellowship hall. So please stay for that. I think there's 350 cupcakes in there. So that'd be something to to partake of. It looks great. And also to take uh, part of the fellowship that will take place. We ask you to stay, I think, and believe that it will be a great blessing. If you will, uh, remember that in two weeks we're going to have uh, our worship at the park that Sunday evening. That should be a great night. We'll, re- we'll begin at 3 that afternoon. There will be a service here at the building for those who, who aren't able to come out to the park at the regular time, but I hope that you'll be able to come out there. It'll be a night of fellowship and a fun opportunity to invite your friends and have that, uh, this great night together in fellowship, so I hope that you will be there. As we begin tonight, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are just incredible. You are alive if we as your son. We think about your steadfast love. We think about that beautiful thought of being baptized in the river. The thought of what, of us meeting you there and putting on your son in baptism, God. Just an amazing thought that you have given us. Lord, we ask you to be with this congregation. ask you to be with our elder uh, search, and as we are winding that up, and we are thankful for that. Lord, we ask you to be with the men whose names have been put before the congregation, be with their families. Lord, I ask you to be with us and, and help us to always find ways to live out your will here on this earth. And Lord, tonight, help us to see your message clearly and to live it out. In Christ, let name we pray. Amen. As we are in the middle of our fall focus, we, we are talking about being connected to Christ, being connected to church, and connected to our community. As we think about being connected to our church, that's a, that's a pretty big idea. And this morning, we talked about the importance of serve one another in love. How? Rejoicing while we do it. Finding ways to realize tonight we are not here as consumers, we are here as worshipers, but we're also here as as God's family coming together to worship together and taking that opportunity to serve and encourage and to build one another up. We want to remember that each time we come together, we want to make sure that we show attention to other people. There's something about that, making them know and helping them know they're important. We want to help them realize we want there to be belonging, and also we want to show whatever care and comfort and compassion we can. Why? Because we have been called to love one another. When I think of the church, I think of the family. I have uh, been in ministry a little over uh, 20 years now, about 21 uh, or so years. And as I think about that, I I just, it's a little overwhelming to think that I have never, until I got married, got to worship at a church where I was kin to anybody. That's bad when you have to marry somebody to get family to go to church with you, isn't it? But every church I've been a part of has been my family. There are people who I love, who greatly love me, that, that that's one of the reasons we went to Calvert City last weekend. That was the first congregation I worked full-time. I wanted them to be able to, to meet Ezekiel, and, and they did. Why? Because I see the, the church as God's family here on earth. When we think about our children, which is a something you do a lot, especially when you have them, you, want, you would say, hey, how can I help them to be successful in this life? If I could choose one thing or give them one thing, what is it that I would want them to do? have you may have done some reading about designer babies where people are basically wanting to go in and pick everything about their children with all the uh modifications of dna it's pretty scary but be able to go in and say how will my child have this color eyes I'd love for my child to have an IQ in this range. I would love for my child to have perfect vision. I would love for my child to to be a sprinter, to to have speed. I would love for my child to have perfect pitch when it comes to their ear and have an incredible voice. I'd love them to have high IQ. I, I'd love them to have somebody who, who uh for me that wouldn't go bald, bless them. You know, I, I sit there and think, you know, if I could go in and pick out certain things, what would it take and what would you want for your child to be successful? What's interesting is that the secret to your children's success and to your success are are interesting because they are intertwined. If you could choose your child to have any trait in the world, we could go through and say, I would want them to be loving. I'd want them to be caring. I would want them to be determined. Can I tell you what you would really want for them to have is faith. I'm going to guess you pray for that for your children and grandchildren and probably for yourself. That we be people of faith, a a faith in God, and not just an acknowledgment that there might be a higher being somewhere, but a faith that leads to obedience, a faith that, that, that leads to a relationship and walk every day with God. When we think about this, if you could pick something in your children's life to say, you know what, if I can choose this for them, I think their faith will be stronger, and I think their life will be better. And if you could choose this for yourself, can I tell you, it would make a difference. And here's what that answer would be. It would be their friends and your friends. I think if you ask parents if uh, kids are growing up, you sit there and go, wow, I want my kids to have good friends. That determines so much. And each of us really would like to have good friends. That's part of the church being a family. Friendship is something that is covered in Scripture. And when we look in Proverbs 18, 24, uh, we, we, we can look, and we'll be there a lot of time tonight, that there are people who struggle with friendships and relationships. We live in a world where we can be more connected than any other time we have ever been, and still people seem to be lonelier than they have ever been. As one person said, the biggest disease known to mankind is loneliness. It doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter how much money you have. That is something that can affect every single person. One person said, I smile all the time so that nobody knows how sad and lonely I really am. We, we keep people at a distance so many times. This has been said, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. It's worse than not having money. When we think about this, we want friendships. Now, some people want as many friends as they can collect. That sounds bad, but they want a lot of friends. Some of us would just love to have one close one. One person who loves you, one person who knows you, one person you can trust, one person that that, that you know that, that you can count on day in and day out. We live in a very individualistic society. It's interesting on two sides. But we are fools to think that we can live individually in society without other people. And God never intended for his creatures to be alone. As he created us, Adam wasn't by himself very long. We were made to be in community. God himself is in community, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. That's a much deeper lesson. But they are in community. God creates uh, Adam and creates Eve, and they have fellowship with God in the garden. We are built for relationships. Jesus modeled this in his life and realized that Jesus, all the people in the world, he chose 12 and he spent a lot of time with three. Peter, James, and John got to see some incredible stuff, the transfiguration. They're with him at those times, special times, where they see amazing things. Jesus modeled friendship for us. And if we read through the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of things laid out for friendships. And Proverbs says that you're not going to be a wise person. And you will not lead a wise life unless you are great at choosing and forging and keeping terrific and strong friendships. Friendships are a big deal. When we think about the church and we think about our commitment to the church, for many of us, we, we want our friendships to be centered around our church family. The proverb writer says, A man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother another version says some friends may ruin you but a real friend will be more loyal than a brother do you have a friend like that many of us and some of us will say yes we have a friend like that if you don't don't you wish you have one don't you wish you had that person you could count on that would stick with you through adversity it's very, very important we know this. Why does it matter? Because it matters big time. If I were to ask you what factors go into you choosing a congregation, there's a lot of factors, right? We go through and, and, and there's something we, we may want certain programs. We want a church that, that has a great youth program. We may want a church that has a, if we're single, a great singles program. We may want a church that, that, that we love to worship. We may want a congregation that does a lot of mission work or has vision, whatever the case may be. that people talk about when they visit a church is the church of what? Friendly church. But what we've learned is people aren't just lear- looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends. Because there's a lot of people that can greet you at the door, say hi to you. That's one thing. It's another thing to have a congregation you look at and say, you know what, I believe I can make real friendships here. People who want to walk with me hand in hand into eternity. People who I trust giving me advice. People who I trust mentoring my kids. People just aren't looking for friendly churches. They're looking for a church where they can make and build and have strong friendships. There is a book called uh, Crowded Pews and, uh, and Lonely Hearts. And sometimes one of the most alone places you can be is inside of the church because it feels like everybody's connected. Well, sometimes that's on them, sometimes that's on me. It is up to me to have a desire and also to have good expectations when it comes to building those relationships. But they are greatly important in our lives. As one said it wasn't enough that we declared the message about a God who loved him. He wanted people to love him too. It wasn't enough that we told him how he could have a friend in Jesus. He wanted human friends as well. It was not enough just to deliver content about a God who loves. We must represent God. That is, we must help people to feel from us what God feels about them, love. That is, when somebody becomes a part of a congregation, we want to show them, not just tell them, the love that God has for them. Let's look tonight at a few things from Proverbs that will help us to build those friendships that we desperately need. First of all, I want you to think that friendship is the only love that is purely deliberate. In other words, we get to choose our friends, right? As a kid, we sort of don't. I don't know about you, but I became friends in school with people whose last names ended with D or ended with F because that's who I always sat by. That was you, you end up sitting by people or you end up playing on a team with people. Therefore, that, that becomes your, your friend group sometimes. But friendship is a place where we get to choose our friends. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Whereas a brother is born for adversity, there's something about getting to choose those friendships. Siblings are tough, right? You wouldn't have to tell anybody twice that this is not two friends sitting by each other. It's a what? Brother and sister. Sometimes siblings are born for what? Adversity. Not sure that's what the verse means, but when I first read that verse, I'm like, a friend loves at all times whether a brother is born for what? For you to fight with. That's what I felt like this verse meant. That's not. It means they're going to stick with you through adversity. But we don't get to choose our brothers and sisters. We just don't. We don't get to choose our mom and dads. We, we, now, many of us would choose them if it were if it were up to us, the ones that we have, but through life we get to choose our friends. Family may be loyal, but it may not be the people you want to go out to eat with. Friendships are important. A friend is someone who who has chosen you and you have chosen them. There is a friend that sticks, that cleaves closer than a brother. That is a commitment out of a a passionate love for one another. That is not a sexual love. That is a, a love where you are committed to one another because... You have great appreciation and love for one another. C.S. Lewis said it like this, Friendship is unnecessary like philosophy and like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of the chosen things that gives value to survival. The friends make your life better? Absolutely. Friends can make our life so much better and add value to us. Jesus did not come here and live 33 years and not spend time with other people. He forged friendships and relationships while he was here. How do we we build that time? Friendships are born through what? Deliberate amounts of intentionally spent time or it gets squeezed out. It is important to build those relationships. Secondly, friendships can only be discovered, not forced. You ever try to force a friendship? Doesn't usually work out. You ever have where your parents and somebody else's parents were friends so they wanted to make you be friends? Except their kid was a pain and they're hoping that by being around each other you automatically become friends, not necessarily. Friendship is one of those neat things that you discover about one another. You realize you have things in common, common goals, and and it may not be that everything's the same, but there's something that you value in one another. Proverbs 18:24 says a man of many companions will come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And these friends are rare. Proverb writer also says, Proverbs 27, verse 9, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from, earn, from his earnest counsel. These are sugar cookies. I probably didn't have to tell you that. What's interesting is the time the Proverbs were written, there was no such thing as sugar cookies. Sugar became something that was formed. and and discovered, if you will, much later. It wasn't like you went around and could sweeten stuff. I guess you could with honey. It talks about that sweetness. What people would have to do is eat something and go, oh, that's sweet. You would discover that something is sweet. You would take a bite and go, wow, this is something that has sweetness to it. Think about this. You'd have to discover that. That's sort of like friendships. Proverbs 27, 9 says the pleasantness of one's friend. This word is always associated with the word honey. It's a weird thing. Some of you may like it. Some of you may like it. I, I love honey. It's something I, I do appreciate. It's like the sweetness. It is something that you discover. I don't know who first had the bravery to watch a bunch of bees and go, I'm going to stick my hand in there and see how that tastes. I'm still not sure about the first person that watched a chicken and said, I'm going to eat an egg. That, that, that's a different discussion, but I don't, I don't know who to said I'm going to discover that, you know. But aren't you thankful they did? God's natural sweeteners, He has given that. And that word sweetness, there's a pleasantness that comes from, from, from friendship. It is something that makes our life better, makes our life sweeter. C.S. Lewis said in The Four Loves, that said, friendship is born the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one else but myself. That's discovered. Those relationships come in and, and they are very, very strong. Also, friendships must be forged and built. That's friendships that last. It's not friendships that just happen because you happen to play on the same team for a little while or are in, in the band together or happen to work together. Maybe that is where a friendship begins, but many lasting friendships are forged and built over time and circumstances. Proverbs 15, 25, 17 says, Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much, and he will hate you. Like one who takes away a garment in a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda to one who sings songs to a heavy heart. You're like, what in the world does this mean? A friend is somebody who, if they know your heart is heavy, their heart's heavy along with yours. There's a depth, there's an intimacy there. There are certain people you'll never get to that level of intimacy with. Uh, there are certain people that anytime things get to start uh, getting serious and getting deeper, it's called surfacing. They bring you back to the top. Usually they do that by saying, trying to be humorous, or sometimes they do that by changing the subject, or they completely disengage. They just want to bring you back to the top. They said, a true friend, when your heart's hurting, will hurt with you. This may or may not surprise you, but most of my good friends are preachers. Why would that be the case? Because nobody understands preachers like preachers. There is a forging that takes place in in our lives, and we have those relationships, and and, and they come about through that, and there is an understanding that comes through those things. And those friendships will, will be forged, and they will be built together. Proverbs says there are four things you do to work at a true friendship. Because if they are important, and I believe they are, and I think for the health of the church, we want to have strong friendships, the Bible lays out ways to do that. First of all, it says constancy, if I could say it correctly, a friend loves at all times. In good times and bad times, ordinary times and routine times, a friend says, I will do whatever it takes to keep you from falling into ruin. I'll be here even when it costs me something. It takes constancy. People who are your true friends are consistently your friends. Do you have people in your life that you haven't talked to in a while, but if you saw them, you'd pick right back up where you left off? Because there's a friendship, and you know that even though you may not talk every day, they are consistent, and they would be there to help you. The way to gain friends like that is to be a friend like that. You want to forge friendships, you be a constancy in someone else's life. You be someone who is there for them, someone who, who invests in them. Secondly, said it, friends are careful. There's a carefulness. Friends are not emotionally disconnected, like a, uh, Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 is a weird verse, okay? It says, a uh, like a madman who throws firebrands, whatever those are, okay? Arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor saying, I'm only joking. A true friend is someone who cares for your soul. A friend who cares for your emotional health. Not that you don't pick at each other, we'll get there in a second. But a friend who cares about your total well-being. As I said, a lot of my friends are preachers. Not all of them, but several. A couple years ago, I was uh, having a procedure in the hospital, and five preachers walked in to pray for me. Well, can I tell you, the health professionals there wondered if I was getting ready to die, because they'd never seen that many preachers show up. I said, it must be something to have that many. I said, no, these are my friends. And we're usually picking at each other. I'm going to be, and and pretty much, and that was not this day. I was very overwhelmed with them. And throughout the day, a couple of other preachers came to pray with us. And it was just very thankful. There's something about they were careful, not just with me, but they're praying with me with Brianna there. They're careful about making sure she's encouraged. If you want to forge friendships with somebody, be a constant part of their life and also be careful with them. Second, you be honest, candor. Thirdly, I mean. Better open rebuke than the hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be what? Trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. The people who you consider your true friends are the people who will be the most honest with you. The people you can count on to be honest with you. Now, now, This is where your friend group usually shrinks. Because there's some people who want to tell us what we want to hear because many of us like being liked a lot. And having friends that will be honest with you, what's that worth? It's worth everything. Having someone you can say, hey, I'm going... I'm dealing with this. Can you talk to me, or somebody can say, "Hey, am I the problem here?" And they'll go, "Yeah, you're the problem." Somebody who will speak truth into your life—that is somebody you can build a friendship with—and and also, what if you had eggs and, and you realize they have been uh, left outside for you know six months? All right? You know, they were the Easter eggs that you didn't boil and just left outside, you know. And you really wanted eggs, your friend would tell you they've probably got salmonella. And the thing is, you want that friend who'll be honest because they will keep you away from death. You need a friend who can, if they see you walking away from God, can say something. If they see you doing something questionable, they can say, hey, I want you to think about this. We need friends that have candor. Also, the psalmist says we need friends who provide good counsel. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. The word earnest means from the heart. The word counsel means secrets. It's somebody who will open their heart and listen And they will feel and try to understand what's going on. And they will be what? That pleasantness, that sweetness and honey, the the, the blessing that comes to your life because of that? Friendship comes from that counsel. Who do you go to for advice? Who is it if you had to make a major life decision you would sit down with and you would find trustworthy and you would find that there you would value what they would say at someone that you know cares about you who loves God and would give you would not give you any advice that would be apart from God's word and somebody who truly wants the best for you and your soul again when we want friends we have to be the friend we want to have Fourthly, he says, uh, we get the power for friendship from the example of Jesus. What a blessing it would have been to be one of the twelve, wouldn't you agree? To walk every day with Jesus and to see how he treats people. To get to see how he treats his mama. To get to see how how he treats his, his family who states that they don't believe he is who he claims to be at this time. How does he handle adversity? How does he handle fame? How does he treat us when we mess up? All those things Jesus shows us and models friendship. We get the power to be the friends we need to be so that we can have the friends we need to have. When we think about Jesus, we think about the friendships he forged here on earth and realize what he was willing to give. If we're willing to invest in the lives of others, we can build those friendships also. In John 15, 15, Jesus does something very different to those who are following him. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for servants do not know what the master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. It's interesting. He changed the whole dynamic from them being slaves to being what? Friends. Friends. What would it be like to hear them? To to hear him say, hey, guys, you're my friends. (laughs) You are my friends. Even though you are servants, you're disciples, you have followed me, you've done all this, but I consider you to be my friends. And I'm going to share with you, but God has shared to me. I'm not hiding anything. What an incredible thought to see Jesus sharing with these men who are following him. See, in the Bible, sometimes we hear that somebody walked with God, right? We hear that Enoch walked with God. Abraham was a what? Friend of God. He walked with God. In the Bible, when we read in the Old Testament, that somebody walked with God, that is a metaphor for friendship. What did these men do for three years? They walked with Jesus, and He walked with them. Friendships are formed as we walk through life together and spend that time and invest in one another. Friendships come from that. When I think about that, God made us for friendship with Him. And by doing this, He makes us ready for friendships with one another. God created us for for friendship and for relationship. That way we can honor God, we can see God's love for us, and through that, we are able to share that with those who are around us. Friends will hurt you. As one person has said, the saddest thing about betrayal is it never comes from your enemies. It comes from those close to us, and at times, we are going to be hurt. That happened with the 12 who followed Jesus, right? Judas was not the only one to betray Jesus. They all did. They all failed him. Remember when when when, uh, when 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 Peter says those words, you know, I will die I will die before I deny you. There's a little part at the end of that verse and said that all the rest of them said the same thing. And when Jesus is arrested, what do they all do? Scatter to the wind. What did Jesus do? forgave them and trusted them to preach that sermon in Acts 2 and and lead the church as well as they did. Eugene Peterson has said this, when we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and He saves us. What an incredible thought. And think about that. A friend who is willing to step into our lives when we are walking away from God and help bring us back. The ultimate friend we have is Jesus. We sing what a friend we have in Jesus. We sing the song, I'll be a friend to Jesus. What we've talked about tonight, think about all those characteristics that are in Christ. Jesus is the ultimate friend who loves at all times. Jesus is the one who was born for adversity. Jesus is the ultimate friend who is going to cleave to you at infinite cost to himself And you will not be ruined. Jesus is the ultimate friend whose wounds are the wounds of love because instead of inflicting them, he took them for us. The secret to your child's success is the same as ours. We want faith. Faith in Christ is there. But I'm going to tell you, in our life relationships, we want strong friendships. And we do want a friend that sits closer to a brother. Will we be disappointed in people? Yes, we will. But we want to build those relationships. In a church setting, how do we do that? One, we show up. Thank you for being here on Sunday night. Thank you for being here on Sunday night. I'm thankful that you are here. Secondly, we spend time together. We find time outside of these walls to spend time together. We build those friendships together. Also... We serve together. We find a way to serve together. And as we do that, we build those relationships. We also forge those relationships as we gain the courage to do something that's really, really tough, and that's pray with each other. To say, brother, will you pray for me or sister? would you, you know that for, 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 for people to ask one another to pray for them, what an awesome thought to be able to share and say to do this. We build those friendships as we encourage each other. As we do that, everything can change in our lives as those friendships centered around Christ help to grow and develop and help to lift us up. The greatest friend we can have is not each other. It is Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus says in this same passage, John chapter 15, He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And Jesus has has given them this, this gift of friendship. And He wants them not to just be friends here on earth with Him, but to be friends and to be joined with Him for an eternity. Tonight, are you a friend of Christ? I hope you are. I hope that you have chosen to be his friend and to follow him and to give your life to him. Listen, he has given his life for you. He wants you to be with him for an eternity. Will you start that now by choosing to give your life for him, be baptized for the of your sins? Or it may be that tonight that you want us to pray with you and for you. That's what a family does. That's what friends do. And tonight we would love to have that opportunity to pray with you and for you. I want to encourage you to be intentional about making friendships with one another here as part of this church family. As you do this, this will become more like a family, and you will see the blessings there, and also you will see the beauty of the friendship we have with Jesus. If we can help you in your walk with him, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?